Welcome to Stay Engaged 2021. Everything you know and love about IAB Engage, but brought to you day by day. It's Engage, but offstage. Stay Engaged is hosted in partnership with Quantcast, creators of a new and innovative intelligent audience platform. Today's offstage audio session comes from Facebook. Kantar's recent Stay Engaged session showed digital channels to be effective at building brands, but advertisers need to be specific with the brand outcome they want to achieve to have impact. In this episode, industry planning leaders uncover new techniques and approaches that the most advanced advertisers in the world are using to build their brand awareness, association and consideration. Here's Facebook's Pete Buckley to introduce... Hello, welcome to IAB Stay Engaged. I'm Pete Buckley, Connection Planning Director at Facebook. And today I'm joined by Alina Kalisha, Head of Media Planning at Essence. Alina heads up a team of 100 planners across clients, including L'Oreal, Google, and BT, and joined Essence after spending 15 years planning at OMD and actually moved over on the brink of the first lockdown in 2020. That can't have been easy, Alina. No, hi Pete. It it wasn't ideal, but they're a lovely bunch. I think the worst thing was actually I also moved house at the same time. That was much harder. So yeah, but all good. Thank you. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about evidence-based brand building. One of the most interesting Stay Engaged episodes so far has been the Cantar and Oxford University episode. I'm not sure if you caught this, but they were discussing the largest ever academic study into brand building effectiveness. It's a fascinating study, so really worth checking out if you've not listened to that already. And what the study looked to determine is what is the optimal media plan for brand building? And the biggest finding was that there really isn't an optimal plan. It all depends on the brand outcome that you're trying to achieve. So the optimal plan for moving brand awareness is different to the optimal plan for consideration, for example. Hence, they call the paper in the episode No Silver Bullet because there's no single optimal plan. So we were inspired by that paper at Facebook and we took that insight and looked to determine on our own platform what is the best approach to maximize different brand outcomes and we've created a guide called Brand Free. So today we're going to dive into what those approaches are but first we're going to start a lot broader and look into what is evidence-based brand building and who better to discuss this with than Alina. As mentioned, Essence worked with some of the world's most advanced advertisers. So we're going to start there. How are you, Alina, Essence and your advertisers and clients, sorry, thinking about brand building today? What do you see as a great brand building campaign? Yeah, that's a pretty big question. But as you (laughs) said, we're really lucky uh, to be working with some brilliant brands and some very well-known brands. And I think there's probably a number of answers to this question. But a good brand campaign is quite often one that I think is reflective of, of what's sort of happening in the now, whether that's politically, socially, or just simply aligned to current events and how people are feeling. A campaign that resonates with the current mood generally helps to improve positive metric scores. And I guess if the brand is reflective within that, it'll also be remembered. There was some great research recently from Edelman, which showed nearly half of consumers would start using a new brand if that brand had demonstrated innovation or a compassionate reaction to a sort of social cause. So I think driving trust through positive representation is a really effective way to drive brand metrics. From an advertiser point of view, I think BT does this really well. 
because they take their key capabilities as a brand and try to demonstrate their usefulness and I guess essentially the value they bring to consumers. And they've put themselves in a position where they have that legitimate voice, that legitimate reason for doing so. One thing they did really was top tech tips, which is not too easy to say, but launched in lockdown, specifically targeted those consumers who are less tech savvy. Quite often brands will go for the sort of the tech savvy people. We knew, we saw that gap here. And I think that really showed the value of the brand. We also launched Hope United. And that's something which I think was brave, but also really necessary and of the time. And that was set up to help tackle online hate. I think both the examples are ones really where BT are trying to be in the now. They're trying to demonstrate the value to the consumer, really aiming to be a positive force for change. And I know that was a bit of a broad answer in a way, but I guess a question back to you now, Pete, would be, what does an effective brand campaign look like specifically on Facebook and Instagram? Very good question and also a big big question. (laughs) Also a big question. To kick off with, I think what we found, similar to the Cantar and Oxford research, is that it really depends on the outcome that you're trying to achieve. So if you're simply just trying to invest the money to raise brand awareness, then you can do that with distinctive reach. So optimal reach and frequency, good, strong, creative, made for platform. And that's sort of a basis level. If you're trying to move deeper brand metrics like associations, positive associations, as you were talking about there, or even consideration, what we find is you've got to mix in some deeper connection. And I think that can be done as you were talking about tapping into societal issues, reacting to what's going on in the world. And from a more media planning perspective, we definitely find that if you're trying to move those sort of association type metrics you're trying to mean something to people then you need to mix in deeper connection whether that be longer views interaction into your campaign or using other voices through branded content and that's quite different to if you're trying to move consideration what we find there is you need to help people discover more about your brand so that's all about tapping into the machine learning trying to find those people who are receptive to your brand but not yet considerers by using things like sequencing of your advertising and these new approaches are starting to really open up brand building on the platform but i think the truth is even though we're pushing forwards still some in the industry see the world through the lens of traditional channels for brand building, like outdoor, TV, and digital channels actually are just for performance advertising, just activation. I guess essence coming from the background that you've come from, working with Google for such a long time, must have a, and yourself, must have a perspective on that. Where does digital advertising play a role in brand building, would you say? Wow. So for me, it's kind of at the heart of brand building now. I think especially for a number of our clients at Essence, you've mentioned Google already, but we have sort of almost two sets of clients, those who are going through either a digital transformation or those who are already part of that startup generation where digital's already in their DNA. So a couple of examples there, we've seen someone like a L'Oreal transform from a more traditional model, especially with the acceleration of e-commerce over the past 18 months to someone like a Peloton who starts from that digital base and is looking to expand into the offline space. So coming sort of exactly the other direction. 
And I guess in terms of advertising and the role it plays, we know it can drive rapid reach and awareness in the same way that telly, I guess, has done for countless campaigns across however many years. In terms of planning approach, I think traditionally for brand campaigns, as you sort of said, we'd start with the biggest screen, the longest time length and sort of go from there. But to make sure we're truly current and representative of what brands need, I think we kind of need to change that, don't we? And think about the consumer and where they may encounter that first exposure. So how they engage with different channels, different times on different devices and for different reasons. But I think most importantly, the role for digital advertising is as part of the whole. So how do we make everything work better together? I think TV and other non-digital channels will always play an integral part, but in many cases, it needs to be flipped on its head. And the starting point being at digital, being across those digital channels has actually changed the course. And I'm, I'm going to come back to you, Pete, on this one, actually, because I yeah. think we see some barriers as advertisers, marketers and agencies with digital having that central role in brand building. And one of the key issues is that question around viewability and view length. And I'd say this is probably especially true of Facebook. So your thoughts on this? And do you think you can really successfully build a brand in just a couple of seconds? It's a great question. And it's one that we get often. And it's, I think, more (laughs) prominent now than probably ever before, especially because there's a lot more interest in attention and the value of attention and how important it is to get attention and how you can plan your media to make sure you're maximizing attention. I think the first thing to say on it is... Our platform is evolving and the earnings call for Facebook was a a couple of weeks ago and in it they mentioned that for the first time Facebook is now almost half and half video viewing versus other activity. So it's almost half the time spent on Facebook is now viewing video and that video usage is changing quite significantly We launched a a tab in the Facebook app called Watch a couple of years ago. Over the last couple of years, that's grown to now 22 million users using Watch. And what they're watching in Watch is much sort of mid-length content. So highlights from BBC Earth or Channel 4 of their favourite shows or BT Sport. And inside that content, the mid-roll ads, so in-stream as it's also known. And that, that gives a very different exper- advertising experience to feed and stories, which are well known for being quick. In streams, over 70% of the impressions are viewed to completion. So it gives a very different view of attention because you've then got the option of, okay, do I want more attention? Do I want to spend my money in this way? Or actually do I want less attention, but I obviously get more reach. And what we find is that the best thing to do is maybe move beyond proxy measures like attention or viewability onto the brand outcomes and business outcomes that you're looking to achieve and focusing on them actually can sometimes you can find that the optimal plan isn't what you may have expected it to be. So one of the things we find often is the optimal plan is a mix of these different attention levels. So feed and stories with with some in-stream and that aligns with the Cantar and Oxford research, one of their big findings when they were searching for this optimal media plan for brand building was that most of the optimal plans they found were a mix of channels which have very short views, such as outdoor, press, digital display, Facebook, and longer view channels such as cinema and TV. And it was the combination of the two that really worked. And we're finding our platform 
as well that combining them you get a lot better results than just say okay i want only very long views that's what i'm going to focus on i'm going to you know force people to watch my ad for a long time actually the mix of the two really works especially when you're looking to drive those deeper brand metrics like associations or consideration so it's moving it's evolving the platforms are evolving but i think the best way to look at it that we find and the advertisers that get the most value out of our platform are those that focus on the outcome that they want to achieve rather than maybe a proxy measure although i do understand the interest in attention because there's a lot of research that shows longer people watching ad the more likely it's going to have an impact on your brand but i don't know if you saw there was an interesting study by dentsu recently with lumen yes i did very interesting one of their findings was and and this has been shown by nielsen and edinburgh bass of professor baron sharp fame that the first few seconds can have a big impact not as much as, as the longer one but the line of impact versus time spent isn't linear it's a curve so you can quickly get uh, value. But I think we go back to the outcomes and it depends what you're trying to achieve. What's the essence's point of view on this? In terms of viewability, view duration, like what's your advice to clients? How do you look at it? I think the first thing is look at the audience, isn't it? So how the audience is engaging with the different platforms, with the different messages. This, I mean, this is completely tied into what we're trying to say as well. I think the creative message is incredibly important here. So making sure that we work really closely with our creative partners to sort of Build that narrative is one thing. In terms of attention levels, I think that's really interesting. The combination of different media and different time lengths and different ways of showing your brand story all work together, don't they, to Mm. get to that whole. And I think that's more important than looking at a single channel in silo because that's not how consumers watch, is it, or or engage. They don't look at single channels in silo, and I don't think we should be either. So I think a three-second plus a 60-second plus an outdoor ad working together is more important of you than thinking about those single channels on their own. I think that's a great point. And I think that's sometimes missed because a lot of industry bodies and media owners like Facebook and and others will be pushing their agenda. The truth is that it's complementary to go back to the Oxford and Cantar. That's what they stress. Like you've got to look at the whole of the campaign, but do not look at, if you can measure that, obviously it's tough to measure that and that is a challenge, but you should be looking at the complementary nature of these channels rather than, okay, is this channel good at at X? No, the question is, how does it work in the whole? Obviously, you've got a budget where you're using multiple channels. How are they all going to work together? And I guess that comes down to the role of the channel. And again, back to what outcome are you trying to achieve? And one of the outcomes that I think is hard to achieve, not just on Facebook, but across any media channel with any budget, is moving consideration. That's what we find. And we find more and more advertiser coming to us saying you know we want to move consideration what do you think about consideration now how are essence and yourself thinking about that 
Yeah, I think this is one which is super interesting, isn't it? Because the marketing funnel, as we know, is pretty long established, and but lots of things have changed around it, haven't they? Lots of different behaviours, lots of different yeah. variables into market and into everyday life. But actually, the funnel hasn't changed that much. I also think there is quite often a very finite split between a marketing plan for awareness and then a marketing plan for performance. It's quite often one or the other, but actually you're absolutely right. Where we should be more focused is the incredibly complex and highly variable part of the funnel, which sits right in the middle because it's this bit of the funnel where we actually drive consumers to make the decisions we want them to make. And I think it's also this part where we can identify the most valuable signals to keep them mm. on the right path for our brands. Because I think one of the issues we see, and obviously very dependent on category and audiences, a very long consideration phase. So it's almost our job to try and shorten that and get people to act as quickly as we can. In terms of what a planner needs to do here, I think we need to try and simplify this part of the journey for our consumers. We've done some work with one of our clients, Supla, actually, which is really interesting to try and understand that middle bit, that most challenging part. And I think as anyone who has, anyone would know who's ever purchased or even rented a home will know the process of doing so is long, it's drawn out, there's lots of paperwork, lots of time spent trawling through legal documents and navigating processes. It's an incredibly practical process. And I think that's what we focus on because they're sort of the easiest signals to find. We actually found as well that it's also a complete roller coaster of emotion, isn't it? From you find the property to you lose out to everything in between. There's actually a real balance of highs and lows there, emotional and rational. And I think identifying those triggers and signals has really helped us to navigate through the journey, both in terms of how we say things to our consumers, but also where and when we say them. And I think in this case, almost presenting Zoopla as a bit of an empathetic voice. And I I don't know if you've seen the ads, but there is a more emotional, more human feel to them. We can then help to guide those consumers through what is basically the most difficult phase of their journey. I think what you said up front especially is key is that activity that you're doing there sounds very different to the old school way of looking at brand and DR. A lot of marketing teams will be broken up into those two silos. But I think yeah. as you were talking about signals and understanding of audiences, you'd imagine that we can be a bit more advanced on that point now, finding those people, resonating with them, depending on where they are on their journey, yeah. and moving consideration a bit more effectively than saying, okay, one part of my plan is just about harvesting intent, and the other part's stimulating, and, that, and there's nothing in between. It, it does feel like there's a big opportunity that maybe we've not been focusing on enough in the middle of the funnel. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And Google have actually done some work recently. They've done some research into the buy decision process and they've found something. I mean, they've very much openly admitted that they also haven't done this very well themselves, but they've turned it termed the consideration phase the messy middle and that sort of mm -hmm. says it all doesn't it that really complex part between initial triggers that prompt consumers in through to the final purchase or interaction and they've again also 
found different behaviours which we can tap into. And those different, I think those signals are really key, aren't they? Being really smart. And obviously we can do this in digital advertising really well. Being really smart about finding those triggers, finding those signals and sort of really tapping into what the consumer needs at different stages. I've oversimplified what Google have done there. So sorry, Google. It's brilliant stuff. Do take a read. But I think what we take out of it as essence is these initial findings, we can start to take them and start to conduct some experiments of our own. Because I think if we're identifying the right signals and behaviours, we then hopefully find the most direct route to our business targets and deliver the best outcomes for our brands as well. So thinking about those behaviours, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch back to you, Pete, if that's all right. From your point of view and from that research that you've done, what's the most common behavioural trait of those seeing the best brand results on your own platforms? It's a good question. I think one trait stands out above all others. And that is having a sort of a growth mindset, testing and learning and experimenting, both with the creative and your planning on the platform. What we see is those more advanced advertising, those getting the better results are those that focus on experimentation. And that's a funny thing because I think traditionally performance advertising has focused on experimentation. You run tests all the time, A-B tests, etc., but brand has not focused on it as much. But what we're finding on our platform, the more you experiment and test and learn, the better the results and the outcome you're going to get. Because I think that moves you away from making presumptions about what's going to work and you actually focus on the data and look at what has worked best. And it is so easy to test now, not just on our platform, but obviously others as well, to run multi-cells, test and control, scientific tests, what works best. So I think the biggest behavioural trait is definitely this one about experimentation. I know that at Essence, you focus on this a lot. Yeah, we do. It's something which we try and do on every single campaign. I think one thing for me, if you test and learn quickly, you start to see those results and you can start to optimise sort of in real time, can't you? And that's how you get the best results straight away. So yeah, something which, which is kind of built into how we work here. I guess the challenge from that that someone might push back on is you're talking about brand. Now you're telling me you've got to experiment. Experimentation feels quite short term. Brand is quite long term. How do these short term tests ladder up to long term results? I think one thing we focus on is obviously the outcomes that people want to achieve. And I think it's true to say that there are no long term results without short term results. Absolutely. If you've not not moved consideration over the week after the campaign, then it's unlikely it's going to move it half a year later. So I think that's one thing. But obviously, there are other measurement methodologies that you should be layering on top. We're not saying experimentation is the be all and end all, but it's definitely one that can make you stand out. I know that Netflix philosophy, marketing philosophy, is every dollar we spend is a dollar we learn from. And I think more advertisers, especially in the brand space, I think the brand space. We've got a lot still to learn there. And the more that we focus on running tests and experimenting, then the stronger we'll, we'll be on that. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I love that ethos from Netflix. With their budgets, it's probably a little easier with that sort of test and learn. But it's something which I think we need to focus on. It's joining up that middle bit 
definitely. I think one of the key things as well is not just testing media channels, it's also testing what creative works as well. So doing that together with our partners, I think can really, we really start to see some results and we can really start to be a bit smarter about how we approach our tasks. And I think just to pick up on your point about budget, I think that's a really important point because sometimes we hear from advertisers I don't have a big enough budget. So I've got to make sure all my budget is hard working. I don't want to put anything in. It feels very risky to run a test. So we just don't have the budget. But the truth is that over time, I guess this is long-term thinking, the more tests you've run, the more effective and the more value you're going to get out of your investment. In fact, every dollar, as Netflix say, that they can learn from, it makes their future investment more effective and on channels such as facebook and others testing can be done at such a low level of budget now in the real world with real people it's definitely something to re-look at for all marketeers are we testing and experimenting i know back in the day when i started it in media tests were especially brand tests were quite hard to do because you had to do maybe regional you know, testing control regions, different ITV regions or whatever it may yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. You're, was, sh- you're showing your work. age, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it really is hard work, but really can be done at low cost. And the findings you can get out of it can be really valuable. It can. And I think that's really important. I think that every plan should have some sort of testing framework on it. However big or small, you can always learn something, right? So absolutely with you on that. I think that's a good thing to take away. Has your plan got got some testing on it or not? A very easy thing to look, very black and white, has it? Or Quick checkpoint. <laughs> exactly. So th- thank you, Alina. It's been a great discussion. It's fascinating to hear how Essence are thinking about this and the work you're doing in this space. I think what's clear, especially in the consideration space, is that there's still a lot to learn here and a lot to build on. One place you can start to with that learning is the brand free guide I mentioned earlier. You can download it in the show notes of this episode or reach out to your Facebook client or agency partner for more details. Thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoy the rest of the Stay Engaged series. Cheers. You're listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this offstage audio session and thanks to our partners at Quantcast. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. In tomorrow's Stay Engaged offstage session, Red Apple Creative reveals how 8D audio differs from stereo and 3D production, exploring it as a mixing technique for music and considering whether there are practical applications for advertisers. Up next on Stay Engaged.